Now this morning I'm hitting, our worship team was hitting on about four of eight cylinders today, but I want to say, hey, under that uh, unique, uh, uh, odd occurrence, I think they did a great job. Let's give our worship team a God bless you. Let them know we appreciate them. Amen. And and I told Kelly, Steve, I'm, I don't put you under pressure, but Steve's been an old guitar picker from way back. Uh, and so I said, that guy right there can play the guitar. Uh, and so, hey, we, we appreciate them. I'm hitting, you know, physically I'm hitting on about six of eight cylinders. I, yesterday was about four of eight. Uh, so I'm hitting on six of eight. And t- by this time this afternoon, I'm going to be hitting on all eight cylinders. Uh, and so you, you just... For me today, as I share the word with you, if I cough and sputter a little bit, as I always tell you, you just lift your hand and say, bless him, Jesus. Y'all want to practice that? <coughs> okay, here we go. Amen. This morning, I'm thrilled uh, uh, to share a message, a series of messages, begin a series of messages with you uh, uh, about uh, prayer. And before I introduce that, let me just say a couple of things that you saw uh, on the announcements, they may have missed you. The first Sunday in April is our family uh, fellowship day. Pardon me, the first Wednesday of April, uh, April 2nd. It's a, and we're going to have a fish fry. How many of you can handle a fish fry? We're going to have a fish fry out at Lumberton uh, Community Park. It's down 420... 421, it's pretty easy to find. We'll give you more info, but uh, hey, you'll hear more about it. But just mark your calendar for that Wednesday night of fellowship. They've got a lot of things out there for kids. It's just going to be a great time of relationship building. And then April 9th, I think, it's the next Wednesday night, I begin a series on Wednesday night uh, called, called The Journey Through James. And I want to encourage you to make an effort to be a part of that, if at all possible. My goal and desire for you is to help you grow in Christ. And the book of James is rich, as my son would say, with truth and life and direction uh, and insight. I'm telling you from all different angles, deals with the tongue, deals with uh, 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 tribulation and, and all kinds of things that you and I must deal with on a daily basis. And so I want to encourage you, even if Wednesday night has not been your normal spiritual diet, I want to encourage you on April 9th to come and join me on a journey through James. I know you'll grow in Christ. I know it'll be good for you. I know when you leave, you'll go, I'm so glad I came. Uh, and so I want to encourage you in that. And, and also all the other things you see in the bulletin and things that are going on and the summer events, I want to encourage you to plug in and get involved. And let's, let's let this summer be a great summer of increase. As you know, um, Easter is coming up. Uh, somebody help me with date, April 20th. Uh, we're going to have some invitation cards for you uh, to invite your friends to Easter Sunday. And then we're going to also have some cards printed up to help you every to everywhere you go to invite friends and family members to be a part of what we're doing here at Church on the Rock North. So a lot of great things going on. And I want you to plug in, get involved, and I know your life will be changed. Look at your neighbor and say this. Say, you're here on purpose. God has a plan for you today. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning as I share the word of God with you. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray it would bring forth much fruit in our life. And Lord, help us, Lord, be able to tune our hearts to you in these next few days and weeks. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. This morning I began a series called Seek Him. Let me tell you how this was born uh, in my heart. Let me just say, when I, when I think about, I don't read books all the time and get ideas from other people. Sometimes I do. Sometimes what people share with me sparks me, things happen to me. But, you know, I, I endeavor to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and follow after Him. And last month when I was, uh, Beverly and I were at a pastor's conference with Global Advance, on the first night, in the first few moments of that uh, couple of days together, the worship leader, I believe his name was Craig Smith, he got up just with his guitar, kind of like what we had this morning, and he began to sing a simple chorus, and it was about seeking God. I can't even remember the chorus, it's not one that we sing, but in a few moments as he began to sing, the Spirit of God just spoke very clearly to me. 
this series for you. And I sat in the back and I scribbled down my thoughts because I can't remember things unless I write them down. I scribbled down my thoughts and just got a few thoughts together. And I realized that I was in the middle of a God moment and God was speaking to me uh, about uh, uh, my responsibility to seek the Lord. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to plug in and listen very carefully. And I just realized that if God spoke that to me, that my deduction is that evidently he's calling me, he's calling you, he's calling us to seek him in a greater way than ever before. And I want you to ponder that for a moment. Let's just think about it. Could it be that God spoke to me to speak to you so you can talk to God and he can speak to you? That God may have a plan for us and a purpose for us that can only be realized as we seek him and as we call out to him and as we cry out to him and as we lift our voices to him in prayer. And our keynote verse, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, we know 29, 11. How many of you got uh, verse 29, verse 11 uh, down pretty good? You got, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. You've got that one, but there's some verses after that. And, and, and we'll read this one in just a moment. But let me give you the context. This Jeremiah 29 is a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the Israelites who were still in Babylonian captivity. Everyone say Babylonian captivity. The reason they were there is because of their consistent idolatry, worshiping of other gods, and therefore God had to deal with them harshly, and they were serving a 70-year, if you will, prison sentence in Babylonian captivity. But even at that, God still has a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. You see, understand something about God's, uh, God's will and, and, and plan for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. Regardless of the circumstances you've been through, regardless maybe of the mistakes you've made in life, God still has a plan. Tell somebody God still has a plan. And so this letter was written a prophetic insight to the children of Israel who were still in Babylonian captivity. And there's a lot there. In fact, I wish I had time to break it down a little more. But let's look in verse 10 and pick up right there. It says, for thus says the Lord, <coughs> pardon me, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. Everyone say, he will visit us. And cause you to return to this place. Now catch this. How many of you appreciate the mercy of God? This is after 70 years of prison sentence. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now catch verse 12 and 13. And this will be our keynote verse for this month. As we go through, uh, or for these next few weeks, as we go through the series, Seek Him. Verse 12, and then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And when, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And everybody said, Amen. There is a plan. God has a plan. What I find interesting here that even though God has a plan, there's some cooperation on our part for that plan to be realized. God has his promises, but we've got to cooperate and come in harmony and agreement with the promises of God and meet the conditions of the promise. And hey, this prayer time, this prayer life that we see God speaking to the children of Israel must be rekindled in order for the purpose and plan of God to be realized in our life. Did you know your deliverance is determined by your discipline at the place of prayer? Everyone say that. My, my, my deliverance is determined by my discipline. Try it this way. Say, my destiny is determined by my discipline at the place of prayer. Look what he says here. He says, I've got great thoughts toward you. You've got a future and a hope. 
Then he says, you'll call unto me and you'll go and pray to me and I'll listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, says the Lord. And look in verse 15, or verse 14, he says, and I will bring you back from your captivity between, hey, the promise and the deliverance is a resurgence of prayer in the Israelite's life. Do you catch that? And I came to tell you, I believe God is looking for a resurgence of our prayer life, for a kindling of our prayer life, to seek Him like never before. My commitment today to you is that I'm going to begin to seek Him more and seek after Him and pray and seek His face and call out to Him and cry out to Him and and let Him hear my voice because I know that's the condition to moving into the promises and the destiny of God for my life and for our life. Let me break this down for you this morning. Let me just show you a little depth of this verse here. Uh, The phrase, call upon me. Everyone say, call upon me. God said, call upon me. That phrase means to properly address by name. To properly address by name. What the prophet Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was saying, that this resurgence... This, this, the condition that is necessary for your deliverance, it's going to require you to rekindle a, a, a personal relationship with me and begin to call on my name. How many of you know that's where prayer begins? At relationship with God and begin to develop a personal relationship with Him. Did you know Jesus wants to fellowship with you? He wants to restore fellowship with you, just as the uh, as Adam and Eve walked with God in that in in the in the garden. That's the ultimate plan of God to have perfect, close, uh, uh, intimate relationship with His people. And the prophet Jeremiah came along under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, "Hey, he, he's he's saying you've got to begin to call me by name. We got to get to know each other. We've got to build a personal relationship with one another." And then he says, "And go." and pray to him. Everybody say, and go. I love this phrase. It means to walk continuously. It means that our prayer life, it infers that we have a, we have a need for a consistent lifestyle of prayer. He said, call upon me, begin to build relationship with me and walk continuously at the place of prayer. How many of you know, even the New Testament says we need to learn to pray without ceasing. Everyone say, pray without ceasing. Now, that kind of scares some people. How many of you know prayer is just fellowship with God? In other words, our fellowship, our relationship with God has got to be consistent. He says, let me tell you what the conditions are to get you out of of Babylonian captivity and into the promise and the plan of God for your life. It requires you to get to know me and rebuild relationship with me and then build a lifestyle of prayer and relationship with me on a day-to-day basis. Then he said, and seek me. Everyone say, seek me. That phrase means to search out, to strive after. It infers a a revelation and an insight of absolute necessity to, hey, the seeking of God is the, it's not just que sarah, sarah kind of praying. It's the realization that this has to happen. If I'm going to move into God's plan for my life, I've got to get serious about my prayer life. I've got to search out and strive for God and his presence and power and influence and relationship with him. It's absolutely necessary. Tell somebody it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary. How many of you married folk know? All the married folk, raise your hand. All you married folk. How many of you know a a close relationship with your spouse is absolutely necessary? Amen? You can't just kind of, you know, twiddle your thumbs and expect things to to grow and prosper and, and, and the will and purpose of God be realized in your marriage. No, personal, intimate relationship uh, it must be strived for. It doesn't just happen. That's the same way with God. And the prophet said, then you, God spoke through the prophet, then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That phrase, search for means to diligently inquire fervently and consistently. It means when you put it all together, it infers that, hey, hey, there's, there's, gotta, there's a need for a faith-filled persistence at the place of prayer. 
He said, I promise you this. If you do this, you're going to find me. And so we've got to come to the place where we diligently inquire frequently and consistently and build a life of faith-filled persistence at the place of prayer. That's just one verse. How many of you know the passages of Scripture? All the Word of God is filled with uh, Scriptures concerning seeking God and praying and calling out to the Lord. When you get the Word of God moving in your heart and you begin to study, it just builds a great picture of what God is looking for in a serious seeker. How many of you want to be a serious seeker? How many of you want to be a successful seeker of God? Just a few moments, I'm going to just give you five simple thoughts. Uh, did I lose my mind? Amen. Did I knock it on mute? That's weird. Hey, maybe it was always on mute and it wasn't muting. Amen. I'm there now. Here we go. So here's our big idea. I'm going to give you five thoughts in just a moment about being a successful seeker. Here's our big idea for the next five weeks. Everybody say, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? Here it is in a nutshell, and and, uh, I want to read it to you, and you can read it with me. In order for the promise and plan of God to unfold in any believer's life, it normally requires the cooperation and commitment of a consistent and wholehearted and faith-filled prayer life. Let's read it out loud together, everyone together. In order for the promise and plan of God, come on, let's start over. I, I, I know I've got a lot of sound up here. Give me, some, give me some bluster. Here we go. Everybody together. In order for the promise and plan of God to unfold in any believer's life, it normally requires the cooperation and commitment of a consistent and wholehearted faith-filled prayer life. Now, I put it normally requires because, you know, God can do whatever God wants to do. In fact, well, you could, if you don't like it, you could scratch that out. It, it's not, it normally requires, it requires. And in my book, it just requires. If I'm going to operate and, and move into the promise and plan of God, if I'm going to experience what Jeremiah said the children of Israel would experience, he said, the thoughts that I think of you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, it's going to require that I seek God like never before. How many of you want to live a half-baked, mediocre, milk, milk toast? kind of Christianity. I want to experience all he has for my life. I want to, I want to move into God's purpose and plan for my life. I don't want to miss God's best for my life. I want to experience that, that, that future and that hope that God has for me and my family and this church. So that's our big idea. Let's read it together one more time. You're going to see it many more times, but everybody together, get it down. You can take a picture of it, uh, whatever you want to do to kind of get it in your spirit. But this is what we're talking about for the next this Sunday and the next four Sundays. Here we go. In order for the promise and plan of God to unfold in any believer's life, it normally requires the cooperation and commitment of a consistent and wholehearted, faith-filled prayer life. And so today as your pastor, I'm calling you to prayer. I'm calling you to realize this is true. Everyone say, this is true. I got three people. Everybody say, this is true. (laughs) Amen. Now, let me ask you this. Did somebody beside you didn't say, this is true? Uh, Okay. Let's make sure. Let's try it again. Everybody look around. Make sure everybody says this. Everybody say, this is true. This is true. If this is true. And it is. Then you and I, under the mandate of God and by the, by the wooing of the Holy Spirit, the directive of God a month ago, speaking to my life. God wants his best for your life. God looked down at the children of Israel, 70 years captivity, and he, his heart yearned for them to experience his best for their life to move them into their future and their hope. But he said, hey, this is what you're going to have to do. This is your part. You're going to have to commit yourself to a consistent, wholehearted, and faith-filled prayer life. Not a watered-down, mediocre, now bless it, guide it, and hide it. Most of you, that's the, could be the entirety of your prayer. You realize, oh, we're about to eat. Bless it, guide it, and hide it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Dig in. But God is calling us to a consistent, To cooperate with his will and plan for our life. And I want you to begin to catch that in your heart and realize that 
God has a plan. He has a purpose. How many of you want to experience God's best for your life? Come on. It's not going to happen unless we pray. And so this morning, that's the thought, that's the theme, that's where we're going. In fact, you see it throughout Scripture just quickly. First Chronicles 22, verse 19, you don't need to turn there. <coughs> Pardon me. But God is speaking to the children of Israel about rebuilding the tabernacle, rebuilding the temple. And he says this, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. And then he goes on and then tells them instructions about what they need to do for the purpose and plan of God to be realized. In other words, before the purpose and plan of God could be realized in the, in the rebuilding of the tabernacle, there had to be a resurgence of a prayer life. And a rekindling of the prayer power in people's lives. When David was passing the baton on to, to his son Solomon, 1 Chronicles 28, 9 and 10, he says, If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And then he begins to give him instructions on what to do in order for things to be accomplished and the purpose and the plan of God to be realized. Now, that kind of scary for some. Uh, if you ca- if you forsake him, he said, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Could I suggest to you, could I read between the lines just a little bit, that if we don't, if we don't pray and seek him, everyone say seek him. If we don't make that the priority of our life, could it be that in reality we're just playing some religious games and we're, we're forsaking Him in reality in real relationship? Could that be true today? That we're just kind of playing some kind of religious game if we really don't seek Him and we just expect Him to follow us around and clean up our mess and fix us and to help us and bless us while we go off and living life like we want to live life? I suggest to you today that God is serious about us being serious about seeking Him. In fact, He told He told us that, hey, if we forsake Him, He'll cast us off forever. Now, that doesn't mean relationally disconnected. It really means set on a shelf and useless. I don't want to be set on a shelf. I want to do his will for my life. I want to finish his purpose for my life. So let's read it one more time and then I'm going to, I'm going to lighten up on you a little bit. Here we go. Everybody together out loud and proud. Here we go. Our big idea. What is it in order for the promise and the plan of God to unfold in any believer's life? It normally requires the cooperation and commitment of a consistent and wholehearted faith filled prayer life. And everybody said, amen. Now, we all know that the model we follow is Jesus Christ. Now, think about Jesus. Jesus had a consistent, persistent prayer life. In fact, the Bible says in Luke, uh, let's see, Mark chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Now, in the morning, having risen a great while, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there, what did he do? He prayed. Jesus got up in the morning, a great while before day, and there he prayed. And I believe this is a biblical principle. Now, for some of you who may work nights, your morning is different than my morning. But I'm telling you something. This is an important part of building a consistent, faith-filled prayer life is making him the number one priority of your life every morning. Everyone say every morning. And I'm, hey, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and by the directive of the Word of God, I'm calling you, urging you, beseeching you to consider, and I, in fact, I'm going to call us to a place of commitment in just a moment, committing the next seven days to have a consistent seven-day span of morning prayer. Everybody say Amen. You say, why seven days? Well, next Sunday, I'll give you seven more. How do you eat an, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so, just get ready. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do our best to, to put together a string of seven. And then another string of seven. 
and another string of seven. How do you build habits in your life? You just just do it, just a little at a time, you know, by, little by little. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, the model that we follow Jesus, look what it says about him here. It says, now it came to pass in those days that he, speaking of Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. Now, that's a committed prayer warrior, Right? That's a guy who understands. And if Jesus, the Son of God, needed that kind of prayer life, how much more you and I? I said, how much more you and I? And so we've got to follow the model and begin to build a life and become a successful seeker after the things of God. Let me talk to you this morning. Let me give you those five prayer tips about becoming a successful seeker. The first one is this. If you're going to be a successful seeker of God and find him and plug into his best for your life and and move into the promise and the plan of God for your life, there must be a turning, a consistent turning. Everyone say turning. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Many of you may know this. How many of you know this verse? 2 Chronicles 7, 14. says, if my people, this is what God is saying, if my people who are called by my name, everyone say, that's us. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, there's there's the posture of prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and then turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. There's three parts to that prayer. Three parts of that passage of scripture. Finding the healing and the deliverance of God in your life. We as God's people, we move ourselves into a place of prayer. We humble ourselves before God and we turn. Everyone say we turn. We turn from our wicked ways. Listen, you can't live like the devil and pray and seek God and expect good things to happen in your life. It requires a lifestyle of repentance. If you're going to be a successful seeker, you've got to move into a lifestyle of sanctification where you're becoming more and more like him. In fact, the, the, the model prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in, in Luke 11 and in, and, and, and in Matthew chapter 6, one key ingredient of the prayer is this, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, our life must be a life of, being, of walking in forgiveness and walking in a lifestyle of being forgiven. In fact, it's the only part of the prayer in Matthew 6 where after Jesus finishes the prayer, then he comes and he says this. He said, and oh, by the way, if you don't walk in that forgiveness, all the other stuff's just not going to work for you. In other words, if you're going to be successful at the place of prayer, you've got to be a forgiver and you've got to be forgiven. It's a lifestyle of turning. Turning from. How many of you know, even the very word repentance means to change the way you think about something. And then as you change the way you think about it, you turn and go in a different direction. That's what repentance means, to turn and go in a different direction. Listen, God's calling us to turn and go in a different direction. You can't live like the fle- uh, in the flesh and expect the benefit of the Spirit. Everyone say, I can't live in the flesh and expect the benefit of the Spirit. In fact, according to what God's... God spoke uh, um, uh, through David to his son. Uh, uh, he said this. He said, hey, God will set you on a shelf as useless fodder. And I don't want to be that, amen. So there's the, the necessity of a turning. Uh, Psalm 24, verse 3 through 5 says this. Uh, Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who can come into his holy presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You can't walk into the presence unholy and unrighteous. So a successful seeker understands that and they begin at a place of turning. They turn from their ways. They turn from their will. They turn from sin and move and turn towards him at the place of prayer and lay their lives on the altar of sacrifice and allow him to come into their life and heal them and help them. And we, and we ask just as Second Chronicles 7, 14, we turn from our wicked ways. And the promise of God is that he'll hear from heaven. Forgive our sins. Somebody smile and say amen. 
You see, the great thing about Jesus, he's a God of mercy. The great thing about our Heavenly Father, he cares for us. He loves us. Hey, 70 years in Babylonian captivity and the heart of the Father was still passionate towards his children to bring them into his plan for their lives. That's the heart of God for you, amen? I appreciate that about God. There's got to be a turning. Number two, there's got to be training. The, the disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, they looked at Jesus. They started, how many of you know, one of the first things Jesus told his disciples to do. When, when, let me just ask this. How many of you know the first thing Jesus instructed when he called them, he, they had one purpose. Now, it began to grow as they matured. The, first, the only thing they had to do in the beginning, I don't have the passage in the Gospels. It says he called them to be with him. Everyone say to be with him. That's all they had the responsibility they had. Just be with me. Just stay with me. Just follow me. And as the process began to unfold, they began to see this pattern, this habit, this consistency of prayer in Jesus' life. How, how he would rise a great while before day and he would stay up late in the night praying. And then they would see him walking in ministry and people being healed and people being touched and people being saved. And, you know, after a while, you know, uh, hey, it doesn't take, uh, you, don't, you don't need a rock to fall on you. Hey, this guy prays all the time, but there's great power in his life. And they said, it says this in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus was praying, the disciples were watching him. And it says this, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we know from Luke 11 and Matthew 6, the model prayer, and we're going to talk about that some even on Wednesday night. This coming Wednesday night, I'm going to give you some training some teaching on, on the, the prayer model that Jesus gave us. That we walk in, we teach it uh, quite often, but hey, evidently, according to the Holy Spirit, we need to get a greater uh, grasp because when the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, okay, here's how to pray. Follow along. This is a model. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he gave them a model, and I've got seven points there's seven places and seven prayer stops, if you will, in that model prayer. And listen, when you get that thing down in your spirit, uh, you're going to realize, hey, you know, it's not hard to pray a while when you're going through the model prayer of Jesus and you're, and you're covering your life at the place of prayer. You're covering your family at the place of, of, of prayer. You're covering your pastor at the place of prayer. You're covering your nation at the place of prayer. Hey, you can become a, a bona fide prayer warrior. And move into that good will and plan of God and purpose of God for your life. It takes training. So I want to encourage you to find tools and train yourself to pray and pray effectively. So we're going to talk about that Wednesday night and on through this next month as well. So it takes training to be a successful seeker of God. And then number three, it takes tenacity. Everyone say tenacity. Matthew 7, 7, you probably know this passage of scripture. I'm going to try to quote it. It says, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find. And then what's the third one? What's the third one? Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He's teaching them on prayer, about prayer. But here's the interesting insight about the ask, seek, knock verse. Here's the Greek phrasing of this. You need to catch this. Because it's not some simple little, well, Jesus, I need $100. Okay, there's $100. That phrasing is this, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And as you ask, seek, and knock, and keep on asking, seeking, and knocking, uh, then the, the phrasing goes on. And I will keep opening the door. I will keep answering. I will keep hearing. I will keep replying to you. It takes tenacity. 
I've heard people say, well, I tried praying and it didn't work. Some of you, you'll try three or four days. You go three or four days uh, of praying. Pastor said seven days. It ain't nothing working. I don't sense anything. I, I don't know what this is all about. And you, and, and you develop no tenacity. Listen, if you want, hey, listen, if you want God's destiny, it's going to take some tenacious discipline in your life to move into his best for your life. Amen. So it takes a turning. It takes training. It takes tenacity. We've got to stick with it. We've got to have a bulldog mindset. We pray not because we feel like it or because we sense the anointing on our life. We pray because we know it is a vital necessity and we're going to call unto God. We're going to go and walk continuously and seek out and search and strive after Him and search for Him and diligently inquire frequently and consistently to Him because we know when we do, He will answer us. And what did He say? In Jeremiah 29, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. And number four, it takes time. Effective praying, successful praying takes time. Time is a valuable commodity. And Jesus deserves the first part of our day. And the quality part of our day, it takes time. In fact, Jesus in his darkest hour, listen carefully. When he was hours away from being crucified, when he was hours away from moving into the ultimate purpose and plan of his life on planet earth, he brought his disciples to the place of prayer and he set them there and he says, listen, I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to pray. And he begins to pour out his heart to God. And he says, in fact, he prayed this prayer three separate times in this sitting of prayer. He prayed this same, this prayer. Father, if, it, if, 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 it, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He was in agony and anguish. And he came back and his disciples were what? They were sleeping. He went back and prayed and he came back. His disciples were sleeping. He went and prayed and came back. His disciples were sleeping. And in all this process, he looked at his disciples. And he asked them this question. Could you not watch and pray with me just one hour? Could you not just give me one hour of your day in prayer? Jesus knew it took time. Sometimes, you've, you ever heard the phrase, pray, pray through? You got to pray through, brother? Could, do, do you know that prayer is, a part of prayer is, is spiritual warfare? Did you know there's a lot of spiritual stuff in the world? Did you know there's a lot of spiritual confusion in the world? Do you know our spiritual forces of wickedness that, that are trying to confuse us and, and undermine us and distract us? And, and sometimes we get so, so in such a fog, it takes some time to pray through all that stuff and break through into the, into the powerful presence and knowing and understanding of God and will of God in our life. See, being a successful seeker Requires us to turn from our wicked ways. Requir requires us to, to learn and grow and be trained to be an effective prayer warrior. It takes tenacity. We can't quit. Look at your neighbor and say, we can't quit. And it just takes time. Sometimes all I can tell people when they come and they say, Pastor, I've been praying about this. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that. Listen, I'm telling you, the old phrase is, the, is true. Sometimes it gets darkest just before the day. And I came to tell you, don't give up at the place of prayer. Spend whatever amount of time. <laughs> Pardon me. Whatever, thank you, thank you. Whatever, see, some of you didn't catch this. Our visitors from Pennsylvania caught it, but y'all didn't catch it. <coughs> okay, all right, thank you. Whatever amount of time it takes, it's worth it to take that time to invest into the place of prayer in order to see, in order to see God's purpose and plan realized for your life. Now, I know God loves you. Hey, I know you're special. I know He cares about you. You're just special. Look at your neighbor and say, special. You're special. You're just so special. But you're not special enough 
to circumvent the process. Yes, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Yes, he has thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But the only way to get there is through the disciplined life to get to the destiny life. The disciplined, consistent life of turning and training and tenacious praying and taking time with God. Amen. And then finally today, and I love this one. This is the capstone to me. It takes trust. You got to trust Him. You got to have faith. You got to believe. Everyone say, You got to believe. It's called the prayer of faith. In fact, Hebrews eleven six. can anybody remember? Without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. And then he goes on to say and links it to the prayer. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He links faith and prayer very clearly and coherently. He says, you've got to believe that God is going to hear you and he's going to reward you for those who diligently, tenaciously seek him. You've got to trust him and believe him and rely upon him. What, what does Proverbs say? Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. He will move you into his promise and plan for your life. But you've got to trust him. It's the prayer of faith. And I believe God is calling us to a new level of faith, to a new level of trust, to a new level. Because the prayer of faith, what does it say in James? We're going to study about it in James. The prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. Look in Mark, I think it's Mark 11. Turn over there quickly. Mark 11. I hear those pages turning. Mark 11, what does Jesus say? These are the, this is written in red. Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Everyone say, Have faith in God. He said, For assuredly, meaning, hey, you can bank on this, you can count on this. Have faith in God, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be, and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. That's written in red, my friend. Now, is that a blank check? Absolutely not. How many of you know the context of God? He's not talking about praying for things that are not in the will and the harmony and the concert and in the divine plan of God for your life. Amen. For example, ludicrously, uh, I might add, if you've got one wife, there's no reason to pray for two. Why? Because it is not in the concert. Who would want to? I, I don't understand those guys. Who wants 72 virgins? I, I in other words, it's ludicrous. So this, this, this passage I just read to you, it does not talk about a blank check. Whatever I ask for, he's going to give it to me. Whatever I ask for, that'll help me fulfill God's purpose and plan for my life and for his glory. Could I get a better amen? This morning. God wants us to be successful in our search and our seeking after him. It's going to require some turning. Listen, could I tell you, God's calling us to a holy lifestyle. Number two, it's going to take some training. How does that happen? Get to the place of training, study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Hey, ask Jesus. Jesus, help me here. I want to be a better prayer warrior. It takes tenacity. I'm not going to quit. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I'm going to commit to seven days, but then, hey, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to commit to another seven. And I'm going to build a lifestyle of prayer. I'm going to give God time. I'm going to get up early enough to give him time to wade through my stuff to get to me. And I'm going to trust him at the place of prayer. I'm going to begin to release faith over my life, over my family, 
And I know it's 12 o'clock. I want to read you one passage of Scripture. And then I'm going to call you to a prayer commitment. The Bible says in Psalm 27, one of my favorite passages of Scripture about prayer. Verse 4, he says, One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. For in time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above all my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Now catch this, and we're going to close. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Undoubtedly, I hear the voice of the Lord in my life, and I believe in our lives. Let's seek His face. God's calling us. Let's stand together. Father, today we thank You for the ministry of the Word of God. I thank You for the call of the Spirit today upon all of us to be successful seekers after You. And Lord, today, I just do my best to be a good pastor and pass along the word. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you're here and this word resonates in your spirit, something in you says, that was for me. This is what I need to add to my spiritual growth plan. A consistent, persistent, faith-filled prayer life. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, today I reach out and take this as mine. And I'm going to commit today to the best of my ability to spend the next seven days or the next six days, including today, seven days. In a designated time of seeking God. Just seven days. I'm going to rearrange my schedule. I'm going to adjust my world for seven days. And I'm going to give God seven days and some consistent time for the next seven days. If that's you and you can say with me as your pastor. Pastor, to the best of my ability, I'm going to make that commitment. I want you to lift your hand wherever you are. God's calling us to the place of prayer. Now let's lift both hands to God. Lord, let it be in our life. Rekindle our relationship with you. Just like you told the Israelites. Call on my name. Let's get to know each other all over again. We lift our hands and surrender to you. And we hear your voice calling us to seek you. And we thank you for the promises. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with our prayer time. And Lord, we give you time. And we will not quit. We will be tenacious and we will listen to your voice. In fact, I just encourage us all as we lift our hands to God to plug into this training this Wednesday night and just grow in our prayer life and live a life of sanctification and turning from our will and plan and our sinful mindset to a seeking after God and His word and will for our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. How many of you know God's not a legalist? It's not a spiritual time clock. But how many of you know to build a lifestyle, you've got you've to get, you've got to crucify your flesh a little bit. If your flesh has been in charge up to here, you've got you to put your flesh to death 
and submit yourself to the discipline. And, and let, me give, let, me give you this, let me give you this little thought. It begins with discipline. Really, let me just back up a little further. It begins with a desire. Something in you says, oh man. That's what's maybe stirring in some of you. How many of you just got a little fresh desire to seek the Lord? You got a little desire burning within you. But then, how many of you know that desire's got to move you to discipline? You got to discipline you. Desire should move us to discipline and catch these five thoughts. And we become disciplined. But when you begin to get disciplined, it will move you to the place of delight. It will become, oh man, it'll become the habit of life. And you, man, I love the presence. I love, I love, I love your presence. And you'll just fall in love with him all over again. And you'll start waking up like this. Instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. Good morning, Lord. Amen. Everyone say desire, discipline, delight. When God's thoughts toward you, His plans toward you, again, His deliverance. Put that D down here. Moves you to the place of destiny and deliverance. Amen. I love you today. And I'm excited about us praying together. My mode is morning, early morning. Now I think of, I think of uh, Brent. Brent, what time do you get up in the morning to go to work? What time do you leave the house? 4.30 in the morning. Now, how many of you know, if he's going to get with God before he leaves the house, that boy has got some serious discipline to, to tend to. Now, he might can do some praying in the, in the truck on the way. I'm not, hey, God's not a legalist. Let's just get consistent. Let's don't get legalistic, but let's get consistent. And break through into the destiny of God for our life. Amen. Well, God bless each and every one of you. If you need prayer this morning, I know we've had prayer uh, uh, leaders here, but if you need prayer for anything, we're here. If you believe God is adding you to Church on the Rock North, if you feel, let me just tell you, we're, we're not the biggest and the brightest, but I want to tell you something. God has a plan for some people to come and plug in and get involved with this church. If you hear the voice within the voice, and if you're looking for the Father's voice, you need a pastor, you need a church family, you might consider praying about being a part of Church on the Rock North. Listen, Ryan's been here ever since he was a little pup, and he's doing okay, all right? My kids, there's Laura and, and Stacy. they've been in church all their life. Hey, they're doing okay. They're sitting on the front and second row. They're involved. It, it doesn't hurt. It surely helps. I want to encourage you to plug in and get involved. If you believe God is adding you here, then jump in and get involved and start growing in Christ. Amen. God bless you. Love somebody before you go. And we'll see you Wednesday night where we'll do some training about the teaching of Jesus at the place of prayer. Have a great week. We love you. God bless.